Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Operation Climate, the podcast made by young people for young people, where we talk about climate change solutions with cool people and learn about how we as young people and students can take action in the climate movement. This episode is the first part in our series, Youth on the Front Lines. The climate crisis obviously affects all of us because it affects everyone in the world, but it doesn't affect the world equally. Global South countries like countries in Africa, Southeast Asia, etc. experience the worst effects of climate change. Flooding, devastating cities' infrastructure, sweltering heat destroying crop yields that the local community relies on. In these countries, resources for dealing with these climate disasters are more limited than in the global north. For example, at the beginning of this year, the island of Sumatra in Indonesia had insane rain events, leading to flooding that displaced 30,000 people. Ruined rice crops and infrastructure damage devastated the local economy. The 2019-2020 desert locust plague that hit eastern Africa, which was likely exacerbated due to changing rainfall patterns, placed enormous stress on the food security of the communities that lived there. Even though most people in the global north that are involved in the climate movement know that the impacts of climate change are not distributed equally, it's difficult to actually understand and empathize with the communities that are being hit the hardest, oftentimes because we don't hear their stories. We don't hear how their lives are turned upside down after a flood hits their town. We don't hear about the impacts that rising temperatures are having on their local agriculture. And we also don't hear about how people in these communities, especially youth, are leading movements within their towns, states, and countries to fight the climate crisis. This series is meant to uplift the voices of youth that are on the front lines of the climate crisis. Today, we're hearing the story of Yazid Mikhail, a youth activist from Nigeria. My name is Yazid Salahuddin Mikhail, speaking from Nigeria. He believes in the power of storytelling and policy advocacy to generate change, especially at the community and local level. We'll hear from him about the power of local environmental action, the role youth play in local and state policy, and the projects that he's been engaging in in his home state of Kiduna, Nigeria. A lot of youth on the front lines are introduced to the climate movement because of their lived experiences. For Yazid, his environmental journey started when he noticed stark changes to his community. In the community I am from used to be a green cover before, surrounded by many rural communities. Green cover with trees, but always a place someone always would want to visit for relaxation and connect nature. Recently, due to hybrid of deforestation, lots of the trees in the community are no more. Most of them are being cut down for, some are cut down for cooking purposes and some are cut down for building. So now the environment is not as it used to be. And that's one of what inspired me. See how we can restore some part of it by planting trees and engaging the community members in ensuring um, the sustainability of the trees we are planting. Because of what he experienced in his community, Yazid embarked on a project called 10,000 Trees for Kaduna. 
During his time on this project, he saw the importance of sustainability. And I don't mean sustainability as a general concept. I mean incorporating sustainability plans within your environmental projects to keep your impacts sustained. Sure, you can say that you're going to plant 10,000 trees, but what's the follow-through for making sure those newly planted trees aren't kicked down by kids playing soccer, which was actually a cited concern by school officials in Kaduna? How do you make sure that those trees aren't neglected, that they actually grow and have all the positive environmental impacts that they're supposed to? Then we embark on these 10,000 trees for Kaduna. What makes it to be so interesting is the is the ownership we give communities because we realize that we can't plant trees in this community without having these people taking full ownership to protect it and ensure that the trees live. So we give the communities that we are engaging the full ownership of it. And how interested communities are about this project is what even inspired me more because it's now clear to them that this deforestation has a negative impact on them because it exposed them to environmental degradation and other stuff that, that makes the community vulnerable. And it was really interesting to go back to some communities and see these trees grown up. And you know, the excitement you feel when you see the impact you've made in a community, that's what exactly made the When you give a community the tools to organize and lead themselves, amazing things happen. In Kaduna, one of the climate effects that impacts citizens the most is increased flooding. Flooding in Kaduna forces thousands of people to relocate. It destroys farmland and livestock, and it results in death. In 2018, it was reported that 53 lives were lost to flood in both Katsina and the Kaduna states. And I encourage you to look up pictures of this flooding. It's crazy. Vehicles on the road are nearly swallowed by the flood water. Another huge climate effect in northern Nigeria is desertification. This is when land becomes increasingly dry, like a desert, and vegetation can't grow. So what helps with both flooding and desertification? Planting trees. Why? Trees can reduce soil erosion, promote water infiltration into soil, make the flow of water slower, etc. So this project really looked at the problems that Kaduna was experiencing and took a very specific solution to address those problems. Gazid works on policy advocacy within his home state. This is how he got started. Starting out, I realized that we can't really make change if we're not working on policy because those are what government use as a guide and it's very important we use them to hold government accountable because every provision in it is what the government had promised to do for people so i started exploring policy and see how i can meaningfully engage government on policy in in 2021 i work in the review of the nationally determined contribution policy for Nigeria and in 2021 as well towards ending um, myself and team work on resource mobilization for the implementation of Kaduna State Environmental Policy and ensuring the scale up of um, UNDP Jeff project. What we actually do is the policy was done in a rush so it lacks some actionable column in it so from our knowledge of policy advocacy, we're able to see how we can help government realize that there is need for a review of this policy. 
So we developed uh, a policy brief and fact sheet to back up our evidence, present it to stakeholders and see how they can improve and let them realize it. Having your voice be listened to as a young person and being taken seriously is a challenge that Yazid has definitely gone through with his policy work. But he stresses the importance of determination and energy as tools to get stakeholders to listen. There are, there are people with power. So it's, and as a youth-led organization and as a young person, it's very hard to reach them directly. I can remember going numbers of times to see a stakeholder and we have to wait um, at the doorstep for hours before they come. And after all, if they come, they might not even give us audience that is. We might have to reschedule, reschedule, reschedule. And we've had that numbers of time, but because we are committed to achieving what we set out to achieve, we keep going, going, going and meet them. And initially what it used to be when youth uh, are invited for policy review is uh, they just have the youth seated and they present what they have. They don't listen to young people. So we demand that we should be meaningfully engaged beyond sitting down we need to be meaningfully engaged and listen to what we are contributing on the policy. Because I realize that most of the policy makers just have young people seated just to show the world that they are inclusive and ensuring they are carrying young people along. While not listening to them, they are just there more or less like pictures. So that is what we are trying to change the narrative currently by being committed and being hard on them to ensure that they do what we want and we don't get tired, we don't get tired. Speaking of the power of youth, Yazid believes that there is a gap right now in policy decision-making spaces that young people should fill. For me, I feel it's very important that young people are engaged in policy making. Very important because um, what we are trying to avoid is the mistake our grandparents make by not teaching us what this problem are since we're young. And the policy that will be developed will not be implemented by the people that developed it fully because it will be there for generation to come. And if generation, if young people from this generation are not part of the policy, then it will not be a problem because young people needs are not well integrated in the policy because they are not meaningfully engaged. So it is very important that young people are meaningfully engaged in policy design and policy decision making so that whatever decision they are making that has to do with young people in it, young people are part of the decision. I think a lot of people think of the environmental and climate movement in a really big picture way. Like, we need these commitments at a federal level, these agreements at the international level, etc. But a lot of solutions are created at the local level. With community-based action at the local level, you'll see much quicker changes that improve the prosperity of the people and environment around you. And partisan challenges that exist at the state and federal level aren't as big of an issue. Say your state's leaders aren't making ambitious climate plans. That doesn't mean all hope is lost for where you live. Take Copenhagen, for example. They were the first capital city of the world to make this ambitious of a climate goal, carbon neutral by 2025. 
They've improved their public transportation system, waste management system, made buildings more energy efficient, and more. Even though their country is led by a center-right political party who doesn't necessarily have as ambitious of goals as Copenhagen does. Here's Yazid's take on why local action matters. When you're talking about a global action, before they could reach down to the community, it's going to be very hard. So as an environmentalist, it's very important you start from your community, where the problem is from. Because all those little local action you are doing that people don't really count, that they really count because you can start by solving instant problem. And by doing that, it kind of gives you a more clear understanding of what problem you're solving. When you engage the problem from its root, where it starts from, let's say your community is facing flooding, how do, what, what would you do to stop the flood? Do you need more drainages? Do you need, what do you need? You can't just go to the top and be asking for something that would be difficult. You can just start by getting people in the communities, create a, um, a drainage. Um, when you do that, you're kind of giving even the government a framework to work with because they already see what you are doing in the community and they would engage you in taking more action because they believe you have the intellectual capacity to ensure that the project is well implemented even if they are going to do it in a large scale. We need to start from the bottom where the problem is really affecting people. Yazid is living proof that the contributions from young people create real changes. He saw environmental problems in his community, organized to address them, and his work started getting noticed, opening up new opportunities for policy engagement. You know, the, the encouragement you feel when people recognize what you are doing and people begin to take more action, you kind of feel fulfilled because you you already seen the impact your little contribution is making on people and policymakers. So, that's one of the most exciting part of advocacy. We hope you enjoyed this episode and Yazid's story and learned that the power of local and community-based action in the environmental movement is very important. Here are some action items. Read up on climate effects in the global south. We'll have some resources linked in the show notes. And think about... The environmental issues that your own community needs addressing. Electrifying your transportation system, reducing food waste, cleaning pollution from your rivers. What exactly is happening in your community and how is it affecting the people around you? My call to action is young people should be meaningfully engaged. Uh, aside from sitting them down and listening to their presentation, they should be meaningfully engaged and be part of the environmental governance. They should be part of the polycentric governance that would work toward mitigating the climate change impact in their community and on their people. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Operation Climate. To stay updated on future episodes, make sure to subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. For a full transcript of this episode and links that you can explore to learn more about what we covered today, head to our website at bit.ly slash Podcast. To stay updated about other Operation Climate things, follow us on our socials. We're at Operation Climate on Instagram and at Operation Climate on TikTok. Make sure to subscribe to our newsletter, too. You can find that on our website. And we'd love to hear from you. So give us a rating and review on 
Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. That would be amazing. And we hope to see you next time. Bye.